Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I am your host, Zach Guggenheim, and we are going to talk about name, image, and likeness. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, you know the drill. Make sure to, to leave a review, preferably a five-star one, but if you don't think it's a five-star podcast, that's okay. Just leave a review. We'd love to hear your thoughts, your comments. Uh, shorter podcast uh, for you guys this morning or whenever you're listening, uh, we are going to talk a little bit about name, image, and likeness. Just just to give you a heads up, next week, I have the privilege of bringing on Don Castelline from WGRC. WGRC is a local Christian radio station, but one of the things that they do during football season is they cover Central Pennsylvania high school football. Uh, And so Don Castelline, he has been covering high school football uh, the PIAA for the past uh, several years as uh, the, the play-by-play man in the booth, knows a lot about the region, knows a lot about the playoffs in the PIAA, and just has a really good mind for the game. He, he's covered uh, football and, and sports prof- uh, in the professional realm in Philadelphia and enjoys the Big Ten, is a Maryland Terrapins fan. So he's going to come on the show next week. We're going to talk about playoff expansion, and I, I think he has some really good thoughts and ideas, and he's just a, a neat guy, so he has, he has some good stories. Um, I, apparently, he just interviewed Dick Vermeil uh, for, for the radio station uh, at, at WGRC, so well-connected guy, really knowledgeable guy. He's a really good friend, and so just uh, you guys should definitely check out the show next week. As we as we talk about the playoff playoff expansion, and we get to know him a little bit better as well, and his thoughts on his on his terrapins, we're going to talk about name, image, and likeness just a little bit. It's been a big thing over the past several months. Months there was a lot of legislation that that came out back last summer that allowed. Uh, student athletes to profit off of their name, image, and likeness. And I think in general, it has been a really good thing for college football, particularly for student athletes, but it has been a mess in terms of legislating it. And I want to start, there's been a couple of guys that have come out talking about we need national legislation of name, image, and likeness. And one of them has been Nick Saban. Another one has been Gene Smith, the athletic director of Ohio State. And so two blue blood power programs, perennial playoff contenders. And just to back up, if you're like, what is, what is name, image, and likeness again? Maybe, maybe you're not sure what that is. It is essentially the ability for a student athlete to profit at all from their name, image, and likeness. And so back in last July, that was passed. Before that, anytime an athlete made money because they were an athlete, so someone buys them a pizza or someone gives them a car, I know that's that's two massive differences in the spectrum. Someone hands them a thousand dollars. It was illegal in the eyes of the NCAA. And because of that, you would be ruled ineligible for a season. You'd have to pay that back. 
And it was as it could be as big as being paid to play uh, or getting a car or getting massive financial windfalls, or it could be as little as getting a loan to pay for tickets. And the, the whole reason behind it, and I understand that, was to guard the integrity of the game. That was the whole reason why athletes couldn't get anything based on their status, because you know that could easily be exploited. However, what happened with that was you have student, student athletes coming on to college campuses, many of them coming from not well, not great circumstances, family circumstances, uh, economic circumstances. And so they're getting full rides. That's good. And I feel like we should talk about that a little bit more. But they were getting that the the assistance to go to school, but not necessarily having the means to go on a date night with their girlfriend or to have healthy food in the apartment or to afford an apartment before people are like, well, why can't they just live on campus? And I mean, try going to Ohio State and being the star quarterback and living in a dorm. I mean, you're, you're the most popular person in the state at that point, uh, unless if you're bad. And if you're bad, then the backup quarterback is the most popular person in the state. But the reality is that there are issues that come with being a student athlete. Now there's a lot of perks, obviously the, the gear and the kind of the, the opportunities post-college, but there's a lot of stuff that's, that people don't see. And a lot, there's a lot of sacrifices uh, you need tutors, you need other, other things like that. And the fact that you have all this responsibility as a student athlete, you're putting in, you know, they say 20 hours is probably more like 40 hours on top of being a full-time student. And you're not getting, you're not seeing any of the payday that these million dollar coaches are seeing and the athletic departments are seeing. So I, I was all for doing something to give relief to student athletes, especially when these institutions are making millions and millions of dollars. A great example is, you know, Ohio State sells uh, a number one jersey every year. Like that's kind of their standard, the standard jersey that they sold before NIL started. And Justin Fields, who was number one, didn't see any of that. But I'll tell you what, I'm sure they saw a massive uptick in sales and jersey sales when he started wearing number one, right? And no offense to, to Johnny Dixon, who was on the team, you know, a few years before that, you know, Johnny Dixon was an, a good guy, good receiver. My guess is not as many people were going to buy that number one Jersey uh, when he was wearing it versus when Justin Fields was wearing it. And there's, there's some level of compensation that should probably happen with that. So it made sense that they would that they should do something but again you had this hanging thing in in the air of okay but it could easily be corruptible right you can start pay you know paying players to come to your school essentially and you can do it in ways that you know 
by giving them a car or setting up, set them up with seven figure endorsement deals and stuff like that. And so there's a lot of advocacy for players. It, it, it really surged last summer. They passed it. And the NCAA did what they typically do with important decisions. They sat on their hands because that's what the NCAA does. Uh, we need COVID regulations. Okay, conferences, you guys to go figure it out. Hey, we need to we need to manage this thing. Okay, conferences, you guys figure that out. Uh, NIL. Okay, I mean, if you're going to sue us so that athletes can make money, go for it. Our hands are... We're, we're not doing anything. We're fine. And what has happened is the, the corruption that could easily happen is happening. And it's just all legal now. It's all legal. So even just this past recruiting cycle, Texas A&M was setting up endorsement deals, basically saying, if you're a five-star lineman, Come to Texas A&M and we'll set you up with a seven-figure endorsement deal. Okay, like, guess what happened? They had the number one recruiting class in the country. They had the best recruiting class, I think, in the history of 247 sports. It was exploited. Good job, NCAA. Way to still be irrelevant. And, and so... The reality is that these laws were, I think they came from a good heart, but they needed a lot of massaging and forethought before they went into implementation and they did not do it. And so there, there is a reality. There needs to be some sort of national regulation on NIL. I mean, it's just obvious. Now, here's the thing that, that I wanted to address, though, is a lot of people are coming out and be like, well, Nick Saban is whining about NIL because he's going to lose his status. And Gene Smith is coming out and he's whining because Ohio State's going to lose ground. People, you need to understand something. Nick Saban was not whining about NIL. He was threatening. He was threatening. Just like when the transfer portal came out and he was like, there needs to be national regulation. And people were like, oh, he's whining because he's going to lose all his players and he's not going to be very good. And he's going to lose all his stats. Guess what? He only just gets the best players in the transfer portal. You don't think that the Alabama boosters are just lining up to start getting the best players and to pay them and to pay them well. It, it what's going to happen is what has happened in the playoff era. The top five teams are going to continue to distance themselves from everybody else in the country. The, the programs that have the best alumni networks, that have the best tradition, that have the most resources are going to continue to be the cream of the crop. And they're going to continue to gain on the lesser programs that the programs that don't have that that reach alabama ohio state georgia texas a&m texas oklahoma usc like they're not going anywhere 
the mid-level programs, you're going you're gonna to continue to see the separation. And it, it is a shame because what is, I think, really good for student athletes is, is going to be used, if not regulated, is going to be used in a way that just makes the sport more and more just, it, it's almost a, a movie script at this point right? Like who's going to make the playoff? Well, Alabama's going to get in or whoever wins the SEC is going to win. It's going to be Alabama or Georgia, maybe Texas A&M now, but it'll be, it'll be Texas A&M and Alabama because Alabama will always get in. Maybe Ohio state gets in every other year. Maybe Oklahoma gets in every other year and Oklahoma gets stomped because they always get stomped in the playoff. And that's your, your field. And then every once in a while you get a Michigan or a Cincinnati, or you get someone else and they get curb stomped. That's just the reality at this point. And we're not doing these other programs, any favors with the NCAA, just sitting on their bums and just saying, we're not going to do anything. We're going to suspend this kid over here for doing something marginally stupid but you know this whole massive billion dollar endeavor that's gonna help some kids make some money our hands are tied this is it's a serious serious issue and if something's not done nick saban's threats are going to be realized and Alabama, I mean, Alabama's already won, I think, five championships in the playoff era. They, they've won 2015, 2017, 20, no, sorry, three championships in the playoff era. They're already stockpiling the best talent in the transfer portal. They're going to figure out how to do the NIL thing better than anybody else. Like, are you guys ready for Alabama to win like 10 straight national championships? Because that's what's going to happen. And at this point, I'm, I, I just respect the heck out of Nick Saban because he's been the most adaptable head coach I've ever seen. And the coaches that can adapt to, to this, they're going to succeed more. You know, so I think you're going to see Ryan Day, Lincoln Riley. I think they they are really adapting. No offense to Jim Harbaugh. I, I don't know if he's going to adapt all that well because he's an old school guy that hasn't been very adaptable. Uh, I, I think schools that don't have very big alumni networks, they're going to struggle. And so we're basically continuing to create uh, distance between the haves and the have-nots. And so... You, you got to understand this, that when Nick Saban and, and, and Gene Smith and all these people are coming out that are blue blood programs and they're saying, we need regulation. This isn't good for the sport. They're not saying it because they feel threatened. They're saying it because they know that if it's not addressed, you're going to know the winner of the Big Ten every year. No offense to the other schools. And I'm not saying this as a homer. I'm saying this. Ohio State's on, on top right now. I know they lost to Michigan. It's the first time in 10 years. First time they lost a Big Ten championship in, in five years, right? Like, 
They still have the best recruiting classes. They still have the best staff. They have the, the best facilities in the conference. They're going to win the conference nine out of 10 years. If, if nothing's done about NIL. Alabama, it might be a war between Alabama and Texas A&M, but those are, your, those are your conference winners the next 10 years. And Georgia. USC, I mean, forget it. USC is going to be the Pac-12 champ the next 10 years. Clemson, I mean, Clemson's, they, well, Dabo might be a bit too old-fashioned to, uh, to take advantage. He, he complains. He actually, I think, complains because he doesn't like it. And I think he might be hard to adjust. So that, that could be one to watch out for. But some team in the ACC, Florida State maybe, I know they've really struggled in the past few years. Um, and then the, the you know the Big 12's a mess. I don't I don't know if anyone is big enough in that conference with Texas and Oklahoma leaving. But now you you know you have a playoff field, pretty much solidified for the next ten years, with a couple of exceptions. Again, there's going to be the year that Ohio State loses to Penn State or Michigan. Probably not Penn State because I, I think James Franklin. I, I think they're on the downward trend. But this is. The longer they wait to bring in some sort of national regulation, the harder it's going to be for the the have-not programs to close the gap. And so that that's the as I conclude this, that's the thing I really want to harp on is that with every innovation, the top programs know how to exploit it for their advantage and how to, how to put distance between them and all their, their conference competitors. And Ohio State's no longer looking at all the other Big Ten teams. Well, they're still looking at Michigan because they hate Michigan, but, and, and especially after getting beat by them. But they're looking across the way and looking at Alabama, at Texas A&M, at Georgia, at Clemson, and they're like, all right, they're our competition. And, and it's the same thing with Alabama. Same thing with Texas A&M. Same thing with USC. And this is going to be a very pivotal thing over the next nine months is what does, not the NCAA, because they're not going to do anything, but what, what do the conferences do? What, you know, is there maybe national laws that come into play with, you know, a maximum of how much a player can get paid or, you know, how much, you know, what kind of benefits are permissible and what benefits aren't. Uh, is there a maximum that a school uh, can, can contribute? So there, there's got to be something and it's going to be pivotal. Otherwise, we're just going to be, and it already feels this way, we're just going to be watching the, the, the blue bloods blow everybody out until we get to the playoff. And that's already happening. And I don't like it. I miss, like, I miss the 2007 year where USF and West Virginia and all these other smaller schools were in the national championship picture for like legit the entire year. And then they, they blew it. And we got LSU, Ohio State. But I miss those years, right? And so 
we got to find ways to make the sport more competitive. And this is, this is not helping that. So love to hear your thoughts on NIL. Um, I know some of you might, you might feel like, well, students, you know, student athletes shouldn't make anything uh, because they, they, they have a college education, which I think there's some merit to that. I think there's a reality how do, and, and that might even be what I might, if I, if I were the NCAA commissioner, college football's commissioner, I would want to do something that incentivizes players, you know, for them to, to have revenue for their name, image, and likeness, but also to help build in the reality that, Hey, you are making, you know, depending on the school you're going to, you're, you're making, you know, 40 to 50 grand a year because you're, you're getting tuition and room and board paid for and all that stuff. Um, but I, I think there, there's both sides of the coin there. And I, I think we've devalued the, the worth of a, of a college education as well. Um, and as a, as a father who is investing already for his kids, three kids to go to college, that's a lot of money. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't take lightly that these kids get full rides to, to schools, but, but yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts, leave a review, leave a comment. Uh, and we will be back next Friday with our conversation on playoff expansion. This has been the big 10 football talk podcast signing off. God bless. God bless.